podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. Welcome to Run With It, the podcast that brings you business ideas from established entrepreneurs. Each episode, you'll hear a new business idea and the exact steps our guests would take to get started. Follow through and you can earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Here are your hosts, Chris Justin and Ethan Janney. I'm Chris Justin. And I'm Ethan Janney. And on today's episode, we have Jason Cherubini. He's the founder of Seraphim Associates International, a management consulting firm focusing on technology-based startups and a founding partner of Dawn's Light, a media production and financing company. He has held multiple faculty appointments in the United States and Europe and is an avid proponent of the ed tech industry. Jason, welcome to Run With It. Hey guys, happy to be here. We are super excited to have you. You've had incredible success building a number of companies over the years. You lived in New Orleans, which I'm excited to, <laughs> to connect with you about too. Uh, did your undergrad there, professorship. There's all sorts of experience that you've had to bring to the table. And that makes you eminently qualified to be able to share a new business idea and action steps with our listeners. That's the goal of our show. We'll spend some time at the end talking about some of your existing projects. But the main point of the show is to bring out a new business idea that you have been noodling on given your extensive background in the business, in the business world. So let's get right into it. Tell us about the idea that you would like our listeners to run with. Well, the idea has been one that's bopped around in my head for a number of years now in different iterations. Um, the idea really has to do with household maintenance, building maintenance, and the increasing demand of people who either don't have the time, don't have the experience, or really just want it off of their plate. So really targeting the aging boomer demographic, as well as your younger demographics who are first-time homebuyers, don't have the background or knowledge of what goes into the house. And I originally called it Higgins, the idea coming off of Magnum PI, the caretaker. Figured maybe there'd be some copyright issues there, so jumped, and it was packaged together under the name Major Domo, which was Higgins' title and really means head servant, the person who makes sure the house runs correctly. Now, when this idea first came to me, it's probably about 10 or 11 years ago, I was consulting with a facilities management company that was trying to put in a proprietary software where essentially every office they cleaned in an office building had a barcode. And they would go and have their janitors and their maintenance people scan the barcode. And it would bring up a to-do list of what had to be done in that office or that room that particular day. And it really took everything off of what was needed. You know, there really wasn't a lot of choice or thought. It was all there. And your project manager was able to adjust what their staff would do sitting at a computer, not having to walk a number of people room by room and say, this is what needs to be done. I actually think Radisson did something similar when they were implementing Six Sigma, the idea of getting always to that same result. And in my mind, it jumped and it's, could this be done on a person's home? Could it be there that they have checklists that really things need to be done at certain times that either people don't know about or forget about and really what's going to remind them of that 
And one of the first tasks that kind of jumped in my mind to hit people on was changing the batteries in your smoke detectors. So I was always told you do your taxes, you change the battery in your smoke detector. That was a task that had to be done. So really, how could you expand upon that? So the first iteration of the idea really was just an app, something that made these lists out, but there really wasn't a business model for that. Basically, we're going to create an app for your home, but we don't know what's in your home, so we need to somehow have a way for you to enter that information to then build out all of these things, and then what are we going to charge you for it? It just didn't work. The idea was there, but it was a glorified checklist. But time moves on. We really started getting into this gig economy. We get to the point where you have Uber, where you have Airbnb, where you have all of these different services where you can hire somebody to do a task. So what about hiring people to handle these maintenance tasks for you? Looking around different competitors, there's a few options. There's things like Thumbtack, a website you can list through different plumbers, different electricians in your area. And then there's things like TaskRabbit where you can just kind of get a handyman and book it up. So there's a little bit of demand for these type of things, but in both of those cases, in my mind, you had to know you needed that. So you had to know that you needed a plumber. So it's when your sink is leaking. Oh, I want to put a new roof on my house. So the demand was only there when it jumped out at you. How could we combine these two, which is where the current iteration and where I think someone could run with this idea is that if you had an app, probably a freemium based app, where you were able to record your house, basically, these are my appliances, these are my utilities, this is my hot water heater, this is my air conditioner, and all of it enters in, and then it can set up reminders, notifications that would pop up and basically say, hey, it's been six months since you changed your air filter, you should do that. Would you want us to suggest somebody who will do that for you? And then essentially the same way that an Uber or another gig-based thing would work, they would then be able to suggest the person who would come and do it for you, the business would make money taking their percentage. And then while the person is there, you could essentially upcharge with the idea of, hey, I changed this air filter, you should also do this. And from the customer's point of view, they're not having to go through a list of handymen or local contractors. These people have essentially been vetted by the company. They're paying the company, so they're not worried about getting screwed, that their money's not going to be paid, or if there's a problem with the work, they've got some recourse. So essentially, it's a combination of that checklist type mentality with also the gig economy bringing it together. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> it's clear that you thought through this idea for a long time and it, it is very well fleshed out, which is a great opportunity for the listener to, to take something and run with it, as you said. So I'm really excited to get into some action steps. To summarize a little bit and bring out, just to make sure that we're highlighting the main idea here, it would be an app that would allow you to more easily manage regular tasks that you have for your home. And within that app, you'd have the potential to hire people out. Is that right? 
It's the general theory behind it, yeah. Let me add a little bit about why I think something like this would be super valuable. I, I know that I would be a user. This is an indirect benefit, but with many uh, people nowadays in um, relationships where both people are working, you don't have as much time, downtime, to be able to take care of this. Back in the 20s or 30s, maybe there'd be one person who'd be staying at home who would manage all of these tasks. And now it's just, it's extremely difficult to manage that, especially my family. We have a, a nine month old. Why don't you just have him do it? <laughs> <laughs> he does a great job of scrubbing the floors <laughs> with his butt, <laughs> the nice. kitchen floor. That's, that's, uh, that's what he's good for. Yeah, and I know some friends who've had some marital strife as a result of the allocation of tasks like this. So anything that you can do to assuage that, I think that's uh, that's really powerful. It's a, maybe a secondary benefit, but that would be appealing to friends of mine. Are you guys familiar with the concept of a home warranty? I love the concept, but I looked it up and they all seem to be like some type of scam. They They really don't seem like they're legitimate deals. You pay a fee, I think, on a monthly or yearly basis. And the idea is, you know, if any of your appliances have an issue, they get replaced or it, it kind of sounds too good to be true to me. Maybe Jason, you've had experience with these type of things. But my point in bringing this up is I looked it up. And, and what that shows is that I had, there's a demand for that kind of thing for hey, things go wrong. I don't know when they're going to go wrong. It's hard to keep track of all these things. When I, got, when I bought a couple of my different properties, I would ask the person who did the inspection, hey, can you just come in on a yearly basis and do an inspection for me and just help me make sure nothing goes awry? I don't really do that kind of thing. Okay, you know, but definitely I think there's a lot of space and there's, there's probably some demand. And maybe you, if you were marketing this, for example, those people that are looking and they're finding the home warranties and think, okay, don't go for a home warranty. How about this app? That's really going to help you keep track of things. And I think that's hitting that target. It's the people who don't have the time, who have the new houses are worried about that. But the other major market that I, I think it would grow on is that aging population. That's my mother lives in Boston and luckily my brother-in-law is up there and he's able to stop by and take care of things at the house. But if he wasn't there, I don't know what I would do in terms of my mother needs a light bulb changed or she needs someone to come in and change the air filters. Where would I go on that? What would I get? And in some cases, some of these are relatively minor tasks. So you don't necessarily want to pay the plumber who's going to charge you $150 an hour to come out, but you don't want somebody who has no knowledge either. You want to make sure it's done correctly. You don't want them to create new stress. The whole idea here is to lower your stress, to make your life easier. Do you see any potential to grow this idea into additional services that aren't as much maintenance-related tasks, but general things that you need to get done on a regular basis? I, that's where I think it can grow. And that's a little bit of the blue sky involved is I think in some level, there are certain adulting tasks that those of us who may not consider ourselves real adults want to forget about or not want to do. Things like reallocate your stock portfolio. You should look at that once a year or go through and update your beneficiary information or all of these little things. I think those from the app side could be 
included as these are reminders of things you should do or hire someone. I'm thinking to, that you rename the app mom and dad. It's just accounting for the fact that nobody's growing up anymore. And it's just a, <laughs> it's just something that reminds you of all of the adult things you have to do. And then you never have to grow up. You just have, and your mom and your dad don't have to be adults either. <laughs> it's a Ponzi scheme of adulting. <laughs> <laughs> just leave adulting to the computers. <laughs> that brings up an interesting point about the uh, timing now when you can order using Uber Eats to get food delivered. You've had this idea for 10 or 11 years what makes you say that this is the right time to launch it? We're at a point now where the technology can do it. And I think right now, both sides, the suppliers, your contractors, as well as your demand, the customers, have essentially been normalized to this idea of using an app to purchase, using online services to purchase things that five years ago, 10 years ago, would have never thought about. And I think that's been expediated, really sped up through all of these lockdowns. People are ordering things online, who are having things delivered, are basically outsourcing huge parts of their lives that they wouldn't thought of before. This whole idea of the gig economy is there and people's comfort level with these really minimal services. I know you can order all of your groceries and have somebody go to the grocery store and like be texting you on, they don't have this, do you want that? If you can do that with someone buying your groceries, I feel I can do that with someone coming to change my air filter or clean out my gutters. Why doesn't this idea exist already? It seems like it's one of those things that's too good to be true. It's obvious benefit feels like it should be out there. And I think there are two hurdles to get over. The first hurdle to get over is the idea that it can't be too narrow. I think with a lot of things, if you have a very narrow focus, it's not going to work. Because if I just told you, hey, there's an app that will pick up and drop off your dry cleaning, that's a whole extra app for me to get into to try to set up. Maybe not. But if I say, hey, it's going to handle all of these tasks, that's a little bit more interesting. So I think things like Uber and then Uber Eats and some of these were able to take off because those singular tasks were something that everyone used. They had the demand. But a dry cleaning or a gutter cleaning or some of these things maybe isn't big enough. So I think you need to approach it from a wider range of tasks which I haven't seen anyone do right now, at least from the app side. Like I said, you have a task rabbit that basically they'll do anything. You have a thumbtack where I can go online and I can find the licensed contractors. So there's versions of it, but I don't think anything has really brought it together with the technology like the Uber or like the Airbnb. I think the other big hesitation on it, and this goes with really any app of this type, is the fact that it's a bilateral search. We need to hit a critical mass. You need a certain number of customers to make it worth the suppliers, the vendors, to sign up for and bring this on. And you need a certain number of suppliers so it's worth it to the customers. So if you get, you look at Uber, Uber started as we are a black car service in San Francisco and New York City. They didn't start off saying, hey, we will be 
everywhere all the time. It grew to that, but they really had a narrow slice. So I think with something like this, you would almost want to narrow slice it in geographic regions and really build out a test location or two. And then as it's popular there, word of mouth, it could then grow. But I think that's the other big hurdle to get over. How do you get an area that has enough customers and enough contractors that it's beneficial to both sides? How do you get into an area that has enough customers and vendors on both sides? It costs money. It is really the thing of it. When you go into an area, you need to basically make it worth both sides initially, and you're going to eat any revenue at the start. So with things that people are going to need anyways, so your customer side, you essentially need to cover their cost, give them a free service, and you're paying the vendors for it. So a part of the rollout, and this is where some of these things can get expensive, it's not in the development, it's not in the initial, but in those marketing blitzes, it's, hey, customer, you need someone to clean your gutters. That would normally cost you whatever it is, a hundred bucks. You're gonna, you would pay that. You can do it for free if you sign up for our app. Hey, you person who would normally clean the gutters, you're gonna bill them, but we're really gonna be paying it. So essentially, you have a high customer acquisition cost initially, but after they download your app, after they register, after they use it, you're there, you've got them. They may not be daily active users, but if once a month, twice a month, a notification pops up, hey, you should be doing this. Hey, you should flush your pipes. You should handle this bit of maintenance. You'll be able to start to measure, okay, that's turning into those sales. That makes sense. I can picture that being a venture-backed business. When you say it requires a lot of money to get into a market, I also want to throw in an idea for bootstrapping it potentially. Maybe if you had this app where it just started with the ability for you to track the home maintenance needs that you had, change your air filter every two months and drain your, uh, your hot water heater, flush that piping once a year, things like that. And you just had that central source that collected all that data and you can see what you needed to be on top of. That seems like that could be a way for users to derive some value from this solution without having all the service providers on the other side. And then let's say you had 10,000 or 100,000 users or something like that, then would be easy to get service providers. Now, that may not be the best way to go because it could be that some other company leapfrogs you. That's a very slow way to build something like this. Do you, one, do you think that would be a valid approach? Two, how would you weigh the uh, risk benefit of doing the slower bootstrap route versus venture? I think you're correct. And that's part of the idea of where the plan originally was. It just being the app that kind of runs through and lists these things out. I think that free version of the app is going to get you some amount of a user base. The only issue with that user base, with it being the app, is trying to get that geographically concentrated to then build the supplier demand on the contractor side. So if I was going to bootstrap this and if I had technical ability to 
do it. You could create the app, set that up, have that out there, start to build a user base, and then use that growing user base to try to get some contractors or to try to then get a series A round to come in to then grow that money-making side of it. Because if you had a few hundred thousand users of this app, I think it would be easy to then set up a separate revenue stream to a venture company and say, we have these users, they're using this app, this is a way we can monetize what's coming off of it. I mean, similar to uh, LinkedIn when they went for their Series B, it was a, we have this massive user base, we want to expand into these monetization routes, and that's where the money came in and to be used. Another thing that I'm thinking of in terms of bootstrapping and, and getting started and getting money, cash flow going into a, a project like this is you wait for those big expenses that come up for people that remind them that they need to pay attention on the habitual side of things, you know? So, oh, you need a new heater because you didn't re replace your heater air filters. <laughs> and, oh, wow, you could have just done it for less than a hundred bucks a year or something, right? And you sell people on the fact that they're gonna save a lot of money by keeping up with these things. And you say, this is a subscription. So I'm saying it's almost like a home warranty kind of thing. And, and those home warranties are, I think you can pay maybe 50 bucks a month or something like that. But you get people in and you get them on a monthly recurring and they are paying at first to resolve an issue upfront, but at least then you can have at least some projected income from those potential customers. The other thing I wanted to say is if somebody wants to bootstrap it or if they want to raise money, either way, somebody's really connected in their neighborhood. Somebody who knows a lot of the biz local businesses, somebody that has a lot of friends, maybe they're a family person that knows a lot of the families in the area. It seems like a good place to start because you would know how to connect people together. Hey, you need that done. You need this taken care of. I have a handful of people and we can get a system together. And so bootstrapping wise, you could start with a handful of families or something like that, where it's almost like a co-op for repairs and maintenance. We put this little co-op together. Everybody chips in 50 bucks a month and we'll all, I'll go and I'll hire the people. They'll come into everybody's house. They'll change air filters. They'll change batteries. Da, da, da. We'll get all this stuff taken care of. So, and then create an app around that after the fact to support whatever system that you threw together. Let's talk about some of the action steps here that a listener can take. What are some things that someone can do? Let's say they don't have a ton of resources themselves. So if they needed money, they might have some friends and family that they could tap into. They uh, may have a full-time job already. So this would be something that they would at least start on the side. Uh, what are some things that someone can do from that place to get this idea going? I think one of the first things I do is look at some of the Google search keys, some of the words that people are looking for. What type of maintenance is popping up? What are people needing to do in their house? And put together a list of what these tasks could be. So what the service offerings are, what people need to do in home maintenance in a regular and get an idea of what the exact services would be and then what contractors in the area would charge to do them. I think from that, you should be able to put together some type of revenue projections 
on what it's going to cost or what could be earned off of every customer and then what the company's fee would be you know whether it's a 15 or 30 percent off the top go the full apple route as long as you don't piss off Fortnite. that would give you an idea there i mean roughly maintenance costs on a house is between one and four percent of the house value per year so you could do that just back of the envelope calculations if you're in an area where the average house price is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on average those people are going to be spending two thousand five hundred dollars in maintenance if you could capture one house at that two thousand five hundred of maintenance you take your twenty percent you're making five hundred dollars for every acquired customer so I think that would give you a lot of your forecast numbers on where is the validity of this. The other side of it is piecing together the technical aspect, not necessarily just the getting of vendors, getting of contractors to come in, but what value are you adding with your checklist, with your task list? How is this going to be more than just me putting things in my calendar. Where is that value add? I mean, there's some apps that basically have you walk through your house and use your camera and inventory things for potential insurance purposes. Maybe you can take some version of that where you're inventorying what you have and it then creates a task list off of it. And maybe you can use the readily available information from the manufacturers to create those lists. So I think there could be a value add there as well. At what point do you start approaching service providers? I think I go as early as possible on what are their thoughts on it? Where do they have free time? Where is the openings in their schedule? How would they bill for some of these small tasks? I have a acquaintance, a plumber, master plumber, but his schedule really is he's either doing these big installs, he's doing emergency calls, or he's sitting on his porch not doing anything. So depending on where it is, some of these little maintenance tasks he would have time for. He'd happily take at a lower price if they fit into his schedule. So things like having my outdoor plumbing, hoses and stuff blown out so they don't crack when it freezes, as long as it's a, hey, get to it whenever, it's a cheap task. If it's a, I need you to be here Tuesday at three o'clock, it's a $150 service call. So I think getting that feel for some of these service providers, how they would view it, how quickly they'd be able to respond, how far in advance they'd want to schedule, I think you could then almost have a partnership with them and you could be developing it to their needs, not developing what you think is best and then having to adjust that whole side of it. From a validation standpoint, how would you determine that a user would actually use a system like this or be willing to pay for services like that? Because what we described, it sounds like a lot of work to be able to, to do that research and to contact vendors to find out what type of services they need. And then as you were talking there, I was thinking, if I had to pay someone 15 bucks 25 bucks to blow out my uh, hoses before winter to make sure that they don't freeze. I don't know that I would do that. And I don't know that I would do that for a number of other tasks. 
but maybe I'm in the minority there. Maybe a lot of people would. How would you answer that question? I think part of that validation is looking at what services are already offloaded that otherwise you would think maybe wouldn't. There is some validation on people are willing to pay service charges for things they could do themselves. So again, back to the Taco Bell delivery example. It's if I wanted Taco Bell for lunch today, I may decide I'm just gonna go on Uber Eats, I'll pay the five bucks, even though I could go get in my car, I could drive the seven minutes down the street and do it. So I think anecdotally there's some validation, but when it comes to the actual services, I think that's where the app jumping up and reminding you, and in some cases nudging you that these things need to be done, in theory could push on services that otherwise may not be purchased. So I'm thinking again, back to the blowing out of the outdoor pipes. I know in the fall I need to do it. So I, it's on my list, but if I have other things to do, that's gonna get pushed and that's gonna get pushed and that's gonna get pushed until I hear, you know, looking at the news, oh, tonight's a freeze warning and I go, crap, I need to get it done in the next three hours. Another approach that comes to mind would be is there a potential to have a subscription model where I said I probably wouldn't pay 20 bucks to have someone blow out my hoses, but I may pay 200 bucks a month to have all of the home maintenance tasks offloaded from my mental bandwidth to know, and, and maybe I get a certain number of credits where you get four hours worth of tasks done per month. And if you go over that, you have to pay. But if I if they were all lumped together, and I don't have to make that decision for each individual task, I think I would be more likely to do that. I just wanted to go back to that, the idea you were saying earlier of when people are searching for what does it cost to do this and what does it cost to do that. I think a great feature of a system like this is to say, and here's some statistics on what happens if you don't do that now. In six months, typically the people who don't do this spend $24,000 or whatever. And, you know, just to give somebody those statistics and the hard data and the motivation to say, okay, roger that, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get it taken care of. Okay, we are going to experiment here a little bit with a new section of the podcast. It's gonna be rapid fire questions for you, Jason. You do not know what these questions are, <laughs> which you are very game to participate here. So don't feel uh, too, too much pressure, but we're going to try and keep it quick here. So you ready for the first question? Might as well be. Teenage crush. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Explain the idea to your mom. Oh, God. Uh, mom, you're going to be able to, instead of calling me to ask how something is fixed, you're going to be able to look on the app and have someone come and fix it. Perfect. Is this a six, seven, or eight plus figure business? In the eight plus range, but it depends on how many services are added on. Who is your first customer? Empty nesters, people in their 50s and 60s now being more technologically savvy to get those things done. What is the biggest risk of this idea? Marketing and getting both sides involved. Last question for you. What is the first action a listener should take? First action really would be putting together the pricing model, figuring out what the numbers could be to then validate 
would this be worthwhile moving forward? Success. You've made it through the first ever <laughs> rapid fire question. Round on, run with it. Thank you. Jason, tell us a little bit more about what you're currently working on and where listeners can go to find you. Currently, I've got a media production company, make a lot of made for TV and Netflix type movies. So I don't have to ask you to do much. Stay at home, sit on the couch, keep streaming movies, try some new things. Our newest one, Money Plane with Adam Edge Copeland and Kelsey Grammer is out. Spend a couple of bucks, rent that if you have nothing better to do. But yeah, that's what I'm up to. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, linkedin.com, Jason Cherubini, Instagram, Facebook, everything else at Jason Cherubini. And if you ever want to read really boring stuff about accounting and the film business, my blog, jasoncherubini.com has me pontificating on all that stuff. Very cool. To the listener out there who is on board with this idea, they would love to have a major drama or they see the value in their friends having someone like this. Their friends need some help from mom and dad. Take some action. Follow through on the steps that Jason has outlined here. Let us know what you've done. Email us at update at runwithit.fm. Everyone who responds will get access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one lucky listener will earn a free mentoring session with Jason and potentially a business partnership on this idea. Jason, thank you very much for your time here. It's been a pleasure and I'm really excited to see what the listeners come up with. Thanks guys, it was fun. Now it's time for you to run with it. Follow through on the action steps discussed and email a summary of what you did to update at runwithit.fm. Every listener who emails us will gain exclusive access to a private Facebook group of action takers. And one listener will earn a free mentoring session with today's guest and potentially a business partnership. Help us build the Run With It community of generous entrepreneurs. Please like, subscribe, and review us online. And remember, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash run, that's R-U-N, and get 15% off your first year.